You're listening to Metal Matters, the official weekly Gimme Metal podcast. All right, guys, welcome Terrence Hannum to the show. Terrence plays in Locrian, Holy Circle, and Axebreaker, which is a very powerful name, I have to add. Axebreaker. <laughs> Thanks. Additionally, Terrence is a published author. And I consider him to be a f- horror film score aficionado. So, how are you doing, Terrence? I'm doing great. <laughs> it's it's the season, so I'm, uh, it's been uh, it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, the last couple episodes, we've there's been a, a theme this month in October. Um, you know, we try to keep things interesting here at Metal Matters, and uh, we don't always talk about metal. Sometimes there's other extreme styles of music. We had uh, L- London May was on a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. You know, we had my friend Jacob from All Hell did a uh, Halloween playlist. So keeping in, in line with that sort of nice concepts where, you know, tonight I thought it'd be a, Halloween's like right around the corner. So yeah, this is yeah. like everyone loves watching uh halloween movies you know horror films during this season uh a lot of people do the 31 days of october you know 31 days of halloween like i'm doing it myself there's nothing wrong with it it's good it's good to do although like you i i watch horror movies throughout the year so you know it's it's like it's like it's just nice to be like well every day no one's gonna look at me funny if i watch them every day right now so i do it too (laughs) i normally do it it's just, uh, you know, I, I just don't have those hours at night. And, um, you know, it's sad. But I have been watching quite a bit of uh, a lot of horror films. Good. You know. So you also do, um, you're, you know, as a DJ, you also lean heavily into film scores. So let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. I, I do a radio show for the past, uh, so the seventh year now, so the past six years, I've been doing a radio show called Dead Air on WLOY at Loyola University here in Baltimore. And um, it's uh, two hours of horror scores. And um, what we wind up doing is uh, on Halloween, we have it play kind of at midnight when Halloween starts. And we have it play around like nine or 10 o'clock again. So you're, when you're winding down your, your festivities and then, uh, every Saturday at about 10 o'clock, well, this year Halloween's on Saturday. So every Saturday we're playing past episodes that, that I've done. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I'll find a theme, um, you know, Stelvio Cipriani did like soundtracks for like Nightmare City um, and a lot of other Italian um, horror films and giallos and stuff like we, he passed away a few years ago, so we did like a I did like a focus on him. Or uh, when Toby Hooper passed away, I focused on some of the soundtracks he made and some of the soundtracks for his films. Um, so I tend to try and find a little angle in there and try and like focus on um, something that I find interesting, um, and then play whatever I've been kind of you know gathering for the year. So after Halloween's over, I essentially start the next pro start getting together new soundtracks. Cause I like to play things that are a little bit unexpected or, and, and of course some classics that people are really, you know, would be comfortable with, but also try and dig a little bit deeper and play something that I've kind of discovered or had to find myself. 
You know, there's an interesting crossover with uh, horror film scores and extreme music. You know, I mean, Goblin is, uh, you know, there, there was, you know, um, yeah. all metalheads love Goblin, you know, and, and uh, there was that, uh, Phil Anselmo did that fe- that festival every year, the horror yeah. festival. Yeah, yeah. He's had a bunch of stuff like this, like as part of that. And uh, yeah. Have you done your DJing live, like at events or something like that? Yeah, normally it's kind of like um, I'll do. I, I've actually been DJing. I've DJed twice, opening up for uh, the noise rap trio Clipping, um, and that's been awesome. Um, and uh, one time it was Clipping and Youth Code, and uh, this this other band Curse from here in Baltimore, and I DJed that, and then I DJed uh, their last show in DC, and it was just them, and it was right when they put out. Uh, there exists an addiction to blood, which was all inspired um, by um, horror, horror movies and horror scores. And um, those guys are all just like encyclopedias um, of <laughs> horror scores, and it's it's pretty awesome. Um, and then I'll DJ just a, a few events uh, in the area. Um, you know, I don't know. It's 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 you know, you're just kind of playing things but people seem to like it and it's a lot of fun for me because i have a you know hours of stuff i've been collecting um you know and uh it's kind of fun when you play something and someone's like oh my gosh (laughs) this is from night of the seagulls (laughs) you know or something like that and you're like you're you're probably the only other person who who would recognize that (laughs) and that's it's it is really rewarding to kind of have those moments I just think it'd be cool to hear a score like that on like a big sound system. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, uh, when I DJed for clipping, um, that sound system was insane. It was at U street, uh, music hall in DC. Um, that I think unfortunately might be closing now. Um, and oh my gosh. And the best part was I, I never had played there with any of my bands. Um, and you know, it's at the request of uh, clipping and, um uh they uh the whole sound crew was like they knew every song i was sound checking with like that's from phantasm that's from and then they were like this is awesome and they were like cranking the bass and just like you know it was it was it was a lot of fun um and uh yeah it was just it was just awesome like it was definitely a great experience and it was i I mean you know I, i get to do it in town a little bit like at auto bar here i dj there and and dj that like metro gallery and stuff like that in baltimore but u street just had this insane sound system and they were kind of like 110 percent with what was going on and it was like a sold out crowd so it was just like packed and it, and i had no idea what to expect it was just me and a laptop you know <laughs> but it was you know you you play something some people recognize and all of a sudden it was, it was nuts you know it's like i don't you don't get that from a radio show you're kind of like i i, I pre-recorded and you know like you know you kind of hear i'll hear from friends or people who heard it later they'll like, email me and say really kind things and uh or ask me more questions about a composer or something like that um but uh that was like so immediate, you know, it was just right there. It was really cool. I feel like Baltimore is uh, kind of on the, well, all right, well, before all this, uh, I felt like Baltimore was on the upswing as far as like cool stuff at night. Um, the last couple times I've been down there for to play shows, it seemed, there was like a really cool vibe in Baltimore. I mean. Oh, it's, it's uh, man, it's an amazing place. I mean, for music and art, and 
it's it's uh it's awesome it's definitely i mean you know every city's gonna be going through this like um you know i mean when does music come back you know when do when do we get to play again when do we get to go see music and feeling that missing from your life it's hard you know and and especially when you feel like for baltimore we had multiple venues uh that were consistently doing good shows and we kind of went from there were a few nights where there might not be anything to then there was like like a few years ago and now there was like every night you could go out and see something interesting and that was really really cool um but you know to the point where like you couldn't possibly do it you know like there's just too much happening but it was nice that there was starting to be like a lot of you know energy and it's kind of like sad because where does that go but you also know that you're not alone i mean every city is kind of having to deal with that what happens to a mid-sized venue post like what's the future of a mid-sized venue that doesn't have a lot of money and funding and had to lay off staff and you know it's like it's crazy man like just think about all those logistics like you know it's it's really sad like what happens when we can go back to venues what venues are going to be there you know yeah that's the thing man it's like what's going to be left you know and yeah um, it might take a little while for things to sort of re yeah imagine what it's going to like you know be like you know yeah so i've had a joke it's going to be like it's going to be like a basement venue that gets like some crazy sound system from like a legitimate venue <laughs> it's gonna be like, like super loud art space <laughs> spaces that built like a hand-built stage with like a crazy sound system or something like it's gonna be you know and 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 but then you know it'll be that, that infinite cycle of like the the independent venue that's struggling against like licensing and you know like all the like um city ordinances and all that stuff and you know i it's just i just don't know i i don't know i can't even it's such a big thing i can't even like you know it's just you kind of like you help out your friends and you you help out these venues where you can and you know like you hope that it's enough you know to make them get through and that there'll be something on the other side of this thing you know yeah totally so uh we have um some selections Yes. In the chamber for you guys. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the movies, talk a little about the score. And uh, this is Terrence's wheelhouse. So I'm going to let you lead, man. This is um, this is your expertise. And uh, You got it. Yeah, man. So uh, the one request I have is that we start off with a movie that I love that came out a couple of years ago. And uh, in some ways, it set the stage for probably my favorite movie to come out this year so um you know we could start off with mandy you know oh yeah for sure yes
amazing. Um, I've been a fan of Johan Johansson for a really long time. Um, and it's kind of, I think, a big shock um, if you're familiar with like, his soundtrack for like Arrival or Prisoners, um, any of those films. Um, you know, and the film itself, you know, Panos Cosmados, he did Beyond the Black Rainbow, um, which to me was like kind of a better score than film sometimes. Um, although I, I really felt the film had a lot of potential um, and I really appreciated a lot of its visuals and this kind of like altered states kind of vibe it had. Um, but, uh, you know, I felt that Mandy really showed this like really perfect merging of soundtrack and film. I thought so too. And, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, Cosmos is, I mean, it's Panos Cosmo, Cosmatos's father directed yeah. uh, a Sylvester Stallone movie called Cobra. Yes. <laughs> which is like one of my favorite, that's like probably my favorite Stallone movie. It's a good, it's actually really good. Well, well, that, well, Copland, I mean, Copland's the, the, yeah. the primo Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yes. Cobra's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he has this like background, but it's kind of like, um, I mean, I really liked with Beyond the Black Rainbow, how it kind of felt like all those, that like bottom of the VHS rental shelf all kind of melted together and made this like, really you know <clears throat> kind of like esoteric uh dystopian utopia society kind of science experiment film or whatever um and, and it doesn't really like explain a lot <laughs> it just kind of like goes um but mandy just has like the pacing is just so much faster and it it just hits all these notes like right away um and it doesn't stop. It doesn't let up. Like just when you think like you've seen like all of it, it's kind of like, Oh no, now that now there's going to be a chainsaw fight, you know, <laughs> or like, you know, that's like, Oh, this is near the end of the movie. <laughs> like, it's, it's great. You know? Yeah. It's uh, beyond the black rainbow in some ways felt more like a study on visuals. It, oh yeah as opposed to yeah. just as opposed to like a narrative and you know like i'm in agreement with what you just said is like there's a linear storyline that goes on in mandy you know and it's yeah. uh and it borrows you know heavily from uh movies from the 80s and the oh yeah and the score like really fits so well with the visuals yeah and i and I, I know you know he brought in uh you know like Stephen o'malley from sun yeah um, is there and and there's a lot of collaborators, but you know again like I like Johan Johansson he passed away about two years now, um, and this was his final or next to final soundtrack he did, and it's kind of amazing like we're not I mean Johansson is a incredibly talented string composer um, you know he was has records with Deutsche Grammophon, um, you know, and just the, the direction he went where it's like full band, you know, these black metal-ish guitars melting into reverb fields in the background and, you know, like synth stabs and all this stuff. It's like, it's not a typical horror score, but it, it's nodding its head to a lot of that, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with it. I think, um, 
you know, I think uh, Cosmatos, you know, he picked uh, Jeremy Schmidt, our Sonoya Caves, did yeah. the soundtrack for Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, and, you know, it's like he he's found some really great collaborators, I think, for both of his films. I couldn't imagine Beyond the Black Rainbow without that soundtrack. I think it would really hurt that film. Um, and Mandy, I think it's, it's like impossible, uh, you know, without, without this score, it's, it, it just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. It's like, there's, there's all this, like, it's definitely abrupt and has all these great kind of like, um, shocking kind of soundtrack part moments, but then these beautiful elegic kind of like drifting moments that it's, it, you don't really hear that, you know, in a lot of movies and, and, and that kind of link to metal or that, you know, these heavy nods to heavy metal throughout it um, is really great. Did you get this on vinyl by any chance? I, I did not. So my, I, I have an, a, an extensive vinyl collection, but I have to make an, a decision a lot of times when I DJ, um, do I, if, and, and that's my, the hardest part for me is because often what happens is the vinyl comes out and there's no digital. And, uh, and I, and I, with the radio station I work with, that's how everything has to be in the end. And I can't get to the radio station to play my records. So I have to make these decisions like really far in advance. I normally will get the digital first and kind of like wait for the vinyl. Did you get it? Cause it looks awesome. Dude, I've seen I, the packaging. I tried to, I tried, I ordered it, you know, yeah. and then I got this uh, email that they refunded me my money. Cause they, they sold, they ran out of, uh, Oh, oh man! So, yeah, my bandmate in the Holy Circle has a copy, and, and it, of course, it, it's it's great, good pressing, and it looks awesome, and has this black metal kind of logo and all that stuff on it. It's really it's really nice. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I gotta score that. I have uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow on vinyl, so yeah, I did get that one as well. Yeah, that one came out great. Um, yeah, it's always for me. It's always the issue of like I know now because I've done this radio show long enough that. You know, digital is always easier in the end, just with my schedule and the radio station schedule. So um, if I get a vinyl, it's like I'm always looking for the digital somehow. And, um, you know, that can create some problems because a lot of times what happens is obviously like with all these licensing agreements. So the, there's no digital for most soundtracks because they're, you know, you'll see that one soundtrack will come out on like Waxwork and one soundtrack will come out on Mondo a few years later. And, they kind of like trade these licensing agreements or whatever. Um, so no, they, they want to let go of that digital in a way. And, and, you know, I mean, you're a musician, you get it, but it just kind of makes it really frustrating when you're like, I got the vinyl, but I don't have that file. So I need to play on my radio <laughs> show. Like, yeah, so then I have to go find it and like, hope it's not crappy or rip it off of something. And, you know, but no, it's not, I mean, I, I've been doing it for so long. I have a lot of older, a lot of, soundtracks i'm always kind of looking for them um but sometimes it's really challenging uh and you'll and you'll see like you'll kind of know like if you're looking for a soundtrack or you found one maybe it's just on youtube like a really difficult one to get or something like that um that's not being reissued and all of a sudden it's gone and you know you're going to get like the email soon that they're going to like reissue something you know because <laughs> like, yeah. the, the takedown notice came out and they're like we gotta get this out of here so no one can find it you know? so it, <laughs> you know it, it's kind of like a strange balance you know but the the score for under the skin is like very well, you mentioned earlier that this is actually a book before they made a, a film out of it which i wasn't yeah. aware of 
And Michael Faber um, wrote Under the Skin uh, in 2000, and it's it's a really good book. Um, it's definitely it definitely has like more information <laughs> than the movie. Where the movie, I think, is so strong because you don't really know everything. You you kind of have to piece a lot of it together, um, and in the book, you kind of know a lot more like what, you know, the, this alien race that looks like humans, it's harvesting humans and all this stuff. There's a lot more like explanation about that and backstory and stuff. And it is really like interesting and compelling. But I think what makes the film um, obviously is the kind of sparseness of the dialogue and the scenery, um, uh, you know, and you know, the <laughs> motorcycle riding, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I mean, to me, it's Mika Lenz's score. Um, I think, uh, you know, she's a phenomenal uh, composer. Um, and, and it sounds like, um, from what I've read, that her and Jonathan Glazer, um, you know, were working very closely on the score. It wasn't, um, you know, uh, she wasn't kind of like left, you know, on her own or something like that to respond to it in a way. Um, I think, uh, you know, this kind of these like process, um, uh, violins and, um, you know, like kind of processed, uh, string arrangements that she makes. I mean, they're just absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, she's a musician. She, uh, played, uh, Mika Chu in the shapes, um, got quite a lot of attention, but I think this, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, just a, a tour de force. Um, and then, uh, you know, she did the um, soundtrack for uh, the Jackie Onassis biopic, uh, Jackie, um, after that. And got, and I think she won a, did she win an Academy Award for it? I'm looking at it right now, but I think she may have. For, she was nominated. Um, but, um, you know, I think that uh, Under the Skin is just uh, phenomenal, beautiful, creepy like i mean you could it could fit next to the Ligeti works in the shining or something like that um you know just a great soundtrack it's also very discordant at times too like there's a lot oh, of yeah. like, discordant tones and sort of you know yeah yeah and i you know i think that and you know those like those like weird like wooden kind of percussion elements um and uh yeah there's just yeah i i i'm 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 such a fan and i do have that one on vinyl <laughs> I'm, I'm such a fan of, of it i think it's a really 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 great score um and like contorting this violin uh you know and, and these other strings uh into this into this new kind of like i mean it fits like that theme in a way like this this transformation um and you know, I mean, and you know, like, what does it mean to be a human? And like, uh, you know, even though you're just in this human suit, you know, or whatever, like Scarlett Johansson is, or whatever, um, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. I yeah. also thought it was pretty interesting that you got a big star like Scarlett Johansson to act in this film too. You know, it's it's a uh, you know pretty pretty unusual really because this is like a pretty fringe movie. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and and you read about how like, um, like a lot of those scenes where the men were coming on to her, those cameras were hidden. 
Yeah. Um, and, and those reactions, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I think when I saw it first, I, you know, or the, like the first trailers and whatnot, I, I was just like, what, you know, like, what is this movie she's in? And then, you know, and it came at a weird place in her career as well. And that can always anchor a movie in an interesting spot, but it's, yeah, it's like such a subtle kind of sparse film. Um, I do recommend the book if if you're interested in like something to read and it definitely is this like sci-fi horror, you know, uh, novel. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's really great. Yeah. I definitely want to check that out. And, uh, like I was saying earlier before we started recording that the movie itself almost felt like it was more about like process, process, you know, and experimentation than it was actually trying to tell the story, you know, technique. It was like, there's like a technical aspect to the way they made the film. Um, because a lot of the, a lot of the people weren't actors in it. They were genuine reactions and real, yeah. it's actually people in the film. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like that. It's like a dogma 95 element or something <laughs> like yeah. with it, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, it is, there is, for sure, like that kind of experimental cinema quality, but it never gets in the way of tension, of horrifying you, you know, I mean, really, like, I think that it is kind of like a, you know, where's the creature's weakness is when she meets the man with the facial deformities and, you know, it like, it, 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 it like exposes it like exposes the cre- the alien, you know, or whatever and, and, it, and it's it's this weird moment of like tenderness or something. It's very, um, you know, uh, yeah. Like it, it plays with, it plays with you as a viewer, like, you know, kind of like back and forth between this, what I guess could be like an exercise in cinema and this exercise in horror or something. And, and it, and I mean, I guess it could alienate some people in some ways. I mean, cause, you know, again, it is like incredibly minimal, but, I, th- I think, you know, it's really effective. And, and the score just, I mean, hammers it. I mean, this, you know, beautiful score. Absolutely beautiful. All right, let's all check out some of this uh, score. Yeah, when they're good. <laughs> yes, I, but but it's like, but and I have to be careful because I I've, I've written off so many, and then like I totally miss. Like I think Thirty Days of Night is a really great vampire movie, and the score is awesome. It's a great soundtrack. 
Um, and, and it's like, I've had to kind of be like, stop, stop being a snob. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know, I guess, you know, like the twilight saga or something like that kind of ruined it in a way or something. And I was like, I'm not, I'm okay. You know, but it's like, it's like, it's like vampire. It's like zombie movies or something like that. Like, you know, after like walking dead, you're just like, ah, you know, there's not many original ideas happening, you know, like, but, but, um, but I do like some when they're good. Yes. Yeah. The 30 days of night vampires are, I think they were actually a pretty interesting take on what a vampires actually are like this sort of ancient race that's inhabiting yeah. the earth. And I thought that was pretty cool. I loved it. I mean, it was, and it was definitely when I didn't, I didn't see in the theater when they first came out. And I think I caught it later and I was like, why didn't I go and watch this? This is awesome. Like I was just kicking myself. I was like, what a cool idea. And I didn't, and then, like I read the graphic novel and, yeah. you know, like I, I really, I really like 30 days of night. And, and I find often I'm like, I'll be, uh, that soundtracks are really overlooked when like, um, uh, Mike Patton put, put that on Ipecac actually. Um, and I thought it's really fitting. It's a great, has a lot of heavy electronics, um, um, super abrasive, um, soundtrack. I, I really, I really think it's a great one. Um, I put on a lot of my radio shows uh, and I'll play it at, when I would be DJing, I would play it and people would come up and ask me what it was. And I'd be like, it's 30 days of night. <laughs> it's like, really? And, and I, I, got, I was like, I, cause I was watching the movie and I was like, this soundtrack is like really good. And they went, and that's what normally happens. I'm watching the movie and I'm like, the soundtrack's great. And I'll like write a note and I'll go find it and see if somebody's issued it somewhere, you know, and, um, that one you can find on Bandcamp, actually, uh, oh, cool. Three Days a Night. Yeah, it's, it's a great one. Yeah. Um, so this is um, <clears throat> one of my favorite scores. Um, you know, I love um, kind of the German Krautrock era of music, and Poppelhu is one of my favorites. Um, and they did this soundtrack um, for um, – <laughs> Werner Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire. So <clears throat> it has Klaus Kinski. <laughs> it's directed by Werner Herzog. <laughs> the soundtrack's by Popovu. I mean, come on. This and it's really like just eerie and um super creepy. It's in color. Um and it's just like this, you know, it's such a weird like you know the story, like nothing really changes. He couldn't apparently he couldn't get the film rights to Dracula. So he decided to make a remake of Murnau's Nosferatu Symphony of Horror. So that was okay, <laughs> which is which is which is interesting. Um, and he essentially does kind of like it's it's the the plot line that you expect. Um, but there's just these moments that um, Herzog captures the rats fleeing the plague ship and all these things and the sun's rising and this like you know, town and it's, it's like, it's just creepy and eerie and, and man, it's, it's a great movie. Um, I'm such a fan of it. And the soundtrack is awesome. So it's kind of like Popovu's in between like doing this like free rock and spiritual like Raga kind of chanting thing. So it's like, just like psychedelic guitars, just like riffing and like people and like monks chanting. It's like, totally awesome like it's a great soundtrack um and uh it it did use kind of like 
two songs from their Brothers of the uh, Shadows, Brothers of the uh, Sons of Light uh, album, but they added all these extra things. So there's like uh, this like spectral folk with like psych guitars and droning sitars and like medieval flutes. It's it's just like an amazing soundtrack. It's been uh, reissued, I think, in the last few years on vinyl, maybe by Waxwork, I think, did it. Um, and it's it's definitely worth your time. It's it's if you like that kind of era of like that tail end of psychedelic rock into the kraut rock thing or whatever. It's it's such a good one. I mean, it's '79, but um, Popovu's kind of getting away from synthesizers or something, and you know, like kind of living up their folk style. And it's it's really really good. Having Kinski in this film is almost like the obvious disciple of Max Schreck. You know yes. what I mean? They kind of look similar, yeah. you know, as uh, as Count Orlock. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I mean, one of my. I I probably watch it like once or twice a year. Like it's just it's it, it's it's not just like a good horror movie. I think it's like a good movie. I mean, I like Brenner Herzog has obviously become like this pop cultural figure, which is totally fascinating to me um as this art house german director <laughs> or whatever but um you know it's it's like uh really really good um uh film and you know you see a lot of great you know it's like everybody's doing is at their kind of best at this moment in a way like popovu is really great and herzog's awesome and you know um, Kinski is phenomenal. It, it's 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 great. It, I, I I can't. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. It, I'm I don't know. I, I wish more people have, have seen it. It's, it's a good one.
You know, back, uh, what was it, 2006, 2007, there was the uh, that French extreme uh, oh, yeah. films that came out. And um, there was quite a few of those. And a lot of those directors actually ended up doing, um, you know, more mainstream, like, U.S. films. And, yeah. Uh, so this next selection that we have on deck here is a, a score for one of those films. Yeah, so I really enjoy that movement as well. I think, like... Uh, Trouble Every Day or Martyrs. I mean, there's just so many interesting films. Uh, one, because, I mean, they're pretty extreme. They're very violent. They're very gory. They touch on a lot of taboo subjects. Um, and they felt like, I mean, I still think they feel really fresh in a way. Like, they're bolder than a lot of horror movies, especially in the U.S. or something. Like, they're kind of, like, trying to take on some kind of subject. Um, they're not just kind of sitting back. Um so it feels like there's an intent, and I, I really, really appreciate that. But uh, uh, Inside, or um, <coughs> uh, um, uh which was uh, Julie Marie and Alexandre Bustelot's kind of entry into the new French extremity, um, took really, I guess, like a home invasion film, right? And yeah. they flipped it. Like, they totally mess with you about the expectation um, they flip uh, the antagonist. They flip the gender. It's like this female who breaks into the house. Uh, it's like totally brilliant, um, very gory, incredibly claustrophobic. Um, and Francois Aude uh, Chanfral, I'm probably saying his name entirely wrong. I don't speak French. Um, is is uh, he did the other, another film called High Tension, a soundtrack for High Tension, and Who Killed Bambi. Um, and he did this amazing soundtrack. Um, I, I learned recently he had passed away a few years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and, and he's a super, super young, uh, composer, but this soundtrack is, it's amazing. I mean, it's, uh, one of my favorite little finds. Um, and actually Jonathan Snipes from Clipping kind of turned me on to it. Um, and Jonathan, uh, again, is a uh, soundtrack obsessive, but also made a lot of soundtracks. He had Excess Flesh. Uh, he did Room Trip 237 with his uh, composing partner, William Hudson, um, and that documented The Nightmare. And he was telling me about this, the soundtrack, and uh, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's all kind of electronic, um, crazy, kind of like claustrophobic drum beats, like the track Dark Beat which I sent to you is, is just like absolutely intense. Like it's almost, you know, kind of like, like, you know, kind of like anxiety inducing with its BPM. Um, and then there's these beautiful kind of like moments too. And um, it's, I, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of his work and it's really sad that, you know, he's not making soundtracks anymore. Cause I think there was some vision and I think that film, you also can't really separate that soundtrack from, uh, the scenes you're watching um, and as this kind of really like this house kind of closes in kind of mirror and all the ways out of the situation get closed off from escape. And it's, it's, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah. It's uh, anyone out there who isn't familiar with this film, definitely check it out and the score. Yeah. I mean, it's like, they're almost, they were created simultaneously. It feels exactly. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine anybody else composing. I mean, I think if there was another kind of traditional composer, it would just kind of be like schmaltz in a way like, Oh yeah. You know, Oh, that's scary. You know, but with this way that, um, 
Schoenfraud did this, it's it's like, wow, like you're really kind of you're in it, man. Like you know, like you're yeah. in this movie and, and your your heart rate goes up and you know, like it it's uh it's it's just a great one. I I really hope more people check out the movie and, and check out his work. Um I'm I've I've been you know, it's it's great when you find someone and, and I think also like when you get out of kind of like the kind of like circle of kind of normal, like American horror movies or something, and you find something like this, um, it's just great. And you find that they've done other films and they're all very considered and thoughtful and there's a lot of intensity and you could, I mean, like it's a record I'll put, I'll put this on. I'll just listen to it. because It's that, it's that good of a record, uh, you know, like, and that, that's always to me like the sign of like a great soundtrack, like, we put it on like on a Tuesday, you know, in, in April, you know, yeah. and that's when you know it's like that's a really good like like the Mandy soundtrack, uh, Nosferatu, Inside, you know. I mean, like I, you know, like to me, there's a, there's a bunch, you know, that I'm like these are great. Like no matter what, these are great records, and they make these movies awesome, and you know, but they're also this uh, like really great soundtracks, great great music. All right, man, let's listen to some of this. This next film, I don't have a very uh, deep understanding of the score for this next film. So, uh, so let it. What, what are we? Li- what are we listening to next? Let's let's hear it from. So, you. I have like a collection. A lot of these I have to rip <clears throat> from like the, a VHS tape or a Blu-ray when it gets if it ever gets released on Blu-ray. Um, so I have this kind of collection of soundtracks that I'm like making myself essentially <laughs> um and and a lot of it's because they you know like they're obscure or um uh, or you know it's in the, it's kind of like i feel like there's a few reasons like there's like the texas chainsaw massacre reason right so you're never going to get that soundtrack separated from its film because the soundtrack was recorded directly to the film yeah so the dialogue and the soundtrack are meshed forever you want to listen to the soundtrack of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You got to go watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's the way you do it. And I'm, I love it. Like, I'm totally fine with that. I think that it's, it's, a, I, that's probably my favorite soundtrack of all time is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it's so inventive and creative 
and and just fascinating how they made those sounds and it's all DIY so it's like early industrial or something like that like chains and ice and bones and scraped metal and all this stuff it's it's really awesome but I brought another one that I get, I, I just get obsessed with like like no one has it where is it why does nobody have the soundtrack you know and it's uh, for the 1981 film Burial Ground um, which uh, you know <laughs> you know it's it's a pretty weird zombie movie. Um, I love the effects. Like I actually really love the zombies in burial ground. Um, they all kind of have like melting faces and stuff. Um, and uh, Berto Pisano did the soundtrack. Um, and, you know, burial ground was also called zombie horror, zombie dead nights of terror. And it's, it's, it's in my like canon of like films that were also called zombie three. So zombie oh, three yeah. is like, <laughs> it's like, there's like eight movies that were called zombie <laughs> three at some point, you know? Uh, I love that. Like, that's like one of my favorite, like video nasties, like uh, trivia or whatever. Like what else was called zombie three <laughs> besides there was a, a real movie called zombie three at one point. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's so weird. I, I, the movie's weird, but the soundtrack is, is actually kind of beautiful. Like these trippy synthesizers, like all like lo-fi delayed. And, uh, it's just like something that like, if he was released it now, it was like, like on a split with one of tricks point never or something. He'd be like, yeah, of course they're awesome. You know, <laughs> like it's really, really strange. Um, and, um, uh, Berto Pisano, if I remember correctly, was like a jazz musician in Italy. Um, and he had this kind of other job, um, doing soundtracks and he, that's how he knew and met Andrea Bianchi. Um, and when he was going to do burial ground after like all these kind of like sexploitation films and stuff. And, um, my favorite part outside, outside the soundtrack is that there's a, 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 a grown man who's supposed to be a young boy. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's just so weird that you have to like accept it. And he winds up like biting his mother's nipple off, which just makes no sense. <laughs> but it's like my favorite part of the movie outside of the zombies and the soundtrack. The soundtrack is really, really great. I know um, the label Tronics have a the small offshoot that did bootleg like horror LPs and they did one um uh bootleg lp of burial ground and they went of spasmo and a few other ones um and you know it's just ripped off vhs you know like the soundtrack off of vhs which i love like i, I there was um one of the wolf eyes guys ran a record label um called dutch dutch oven recordings or something and they did like texas chainsaw massacre on cassette and like city of the living dead on cassette so i kind of love when i find that another person was as obsessed with this soundtrack as I am, but they were more obsessed to be like, I'm going to just print this VHS to vinyl. (laughs) (laughs) Get it out there. You know what I mean? And I think it's great. Like burial ground is super weird. There's been a great, I think either arrow or someone like that to the reissue of it on, on Blu-ray. And it's, it's actually pretty good. um, The the print, but I, I have this collection of just like, like Tombs of the Blind Dead, like all those films, those are ones we'll probably never have official sound uh, score releases of. Um, but uh, Burial Ground by Berto Pisano is one you'll be, you can find some tracks on YouTube and, and I put on my radio show. Um, 
and you should just watch the dang weirdo movie and listen to it because it's pretty great. It doesn't really fit the movie sometimes, but the movie is kind of creepy and then and weird. It's just so weird. It's a weird one. I like it. Pretty good looking zombies in there, and also the, uh, the yeah. sleazy, the sleazy sort of, uh, you know, the the this mother son connection and the nipple and. The fact yeah. that the guy's actually a grown man, you know, there's like a he's lot like of... 25 years old when he shot the movie, but there's like a law that they couldn't put a kid in the movie. It's the best. You can't put a kid in it. Well, this 25 year old guy will do, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just, it just, it's like, Oh wait, was it Italy in the 1980s? And was this a horror movie? Yes. Well, of course. Well, of course it makes sense. In that. I, I mean, it's, it's, it is such a, like a perfect emblem of that video nasty era um you know like to me it's like yes this is this is this you know like this this is what this was um as a cultural artifact but you know it has the soundtrack that a guy would love to hear like what what was this record that you were making man like this is cool you know like it was it was really really cool so let's check some of that out yeah So our final film score is for a classic movie. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you take it on this. Uh, I mean, this is uh, one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite scores. Uh, um, uh, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond, um, <clears throat> part of his Gates of Hell trilogy. Um, and I think the best of the three, um, I mean, I like House by the Cemetery. I love the City of uh, the Living Dead. But uh, the Beyond um, and Fabio Fritti's score are just perfect. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I've, I've written about the Beyond quite a bit, um, and and the score. Uh, Fabio Fritti was very accomplished uh, musician, and he still performs now, um, and uh, still plays score scores from the Beyond and from a lot of his uh, films he did with uh, Fulci and others. Um, but I just think the beyond, you know, it, it, um, between the band and these kind of choral movements and him using this melt, this beautiful Mellotron, it's, it like sticks with you. Like it's a, again, like it's a record I'll put on anytime, you know, like I really, really like the score. Um, I think, uh, and, and, and I just think about how it always, it fits that movie, which is just so abstract and like almost like non-linear 
um, you know, there's like these strange breaks in it. Um, is it like they're leaving the hospital and then they're in the basement of the house at the hotel. Like yeah. I love, I love, that's my favorite part of the movie. Like, I mean, I love the effects and the gore and, and of course, and the story is just weird and actually the story is like really good. But like that to me was like, oh, this is a surrealism. This is a surrealism. This isn't about like, this is like horror, but on the edge of surrealism. Like you're not, this is not like a linear film you take in a literal sense. This is like, this is that kind of like flipping your expectation in a way. Um, and and through some of my research, like Fulci was, you know, he was inspired by our Toad's Theater of Cruelty. Like he really wanted, like horror to him had this intent of like jarring you um, and extreme gore could like disrupt your sense of I'm watching this movie that's going from point A to point B. It's like all of a sudden something extremely violent happens and then, and then it just like, we, we flip into another scene or, you know, like that it, it, it is like a catalyst for your, for yourself, for the viewer in a way. And I thought that that was, you know, when I found out that he was really interested and in, in, that Fulci was interested in that, I, I thought that was really really interesting and definitely made me appreciate the film on another level um but yeah i mean the beyond i mean you know it's it's a classic and it's it's a weird one too but it's so good and that soundtrack is just iconic you know like i think awesome so we'll uh we'll take us out of this episode with a selection from uh from the beyond awesome, awesome. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, an official Gimme Metal podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. This show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Metal, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.